Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. show man you holding it down i can't wait to get into all the nfl action and and everything around the league yes sir yes sir man it's, it's been a wild last couple of weeks man since the last time we we was on the airways together man so i'm gonna i'm just gonna i'm just gonna pick right up from right there last time we spoke it was the week before the 49ers at philadelphia eagles uh squared off and then you follow that up with another uh, shellacking, if you will. Um, so this kind of, you know, takes the temperature of, the, of your squad real quick. We'll talk about what took place this upcoming, this previous week, I uh, hear a little bit, but kind of take the temperature of your squad as you guys supplanted the, 
the Philadelphia Eagles as, as the number one team in the NFC? Yeah, you know, I, I I thought it was it was a much bigger game for the Niners than it was for the Eagles personally. Um, after last year, after all the talk, you know, Debo saying that you know Bradbury's trash and that you know they're not that good. You know, I, I'm fine with you know I'm fine with my boys doing a little trash talk as long as they can back it up. And as you know, Debo had three touchdowns in that game. Um, you know, team played lights out. They scored uh, after the the first uh, two possessions. Excuse me, after the first possession where uh, the Niners went three and out, they scored touchdowns on their next six possessions. So, uh, obviously, the offense got going. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things, everybody, you know, you want to give it to Shanahan, you want to give it to the weapons, but, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, uh, you know, rearing his ugly head again, um, just keeps keeps doing the damn thing. Number three in passing yards in the NFL. Number two in you know touchdowns. Number one in completion percentage. You know, are we are we debunking the system here? Um, serious. You know, for for a long time we talked about how you know in order to be essentially a successful quarterback, like you know you look at the stats, it was pretty much only the guys that were drafted in round one, sometimes round two, but. You know, if you look over the course of the last 10 years, you know, whether it's Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott or, you know, now further down the list, but like Brock Purdy or even, you know, Browning uh, over in uh, Cincinnati, like, uh, you know, and, and not for his great play, but the team is winning. I wanted to give a shout out to uh, to to our man Barry's team, uh, the Giants, you know, I mean, it might not be pretty. I say this all the time. Everybody, you know, hated on Tebow when, when you know, Tebow mania was going crazy. It might not be pretty, but uh, DeVito gets W's, man. And uh, that's, what you, that's what you pay these guys for is to get W's. And uh, if anything, I think most Giants fans are probably unhappy that DeVito's in because every, every W takes them a little bit further away from Caleb Williams and, uh, and, and May. I think at this point it's pretty clear that uh, Daniel Jones is probably the problem. Yeah, man, it's going to be fun to kind of break that whole thing down, and I'm looking forward to doing that with you this evening, sir. We got another chef in the building, man, Mr. Rule Voulouche, Alfred Watt himself. Mr. Harvey, what's going on, my guy? How you doing, sir? Man, I'm doing good. I can't really complain. It was a really, really interesting week. I know we're going to get to it of uh, NFL football, but I would be willing to bet you that a lot of people that were remaining in survival pools are not still standing uh, after yeah, this nah. past weekend when a, when a lot of underdogs, a lot of games that didn't turn out the way they were supposed to, you know, occurred this past weekend. But, you know, listen, uh, LSU Tiger wins the Heisman, so got one good thing and uh, had some <laughs> – uh, some entertaining football to watch this past uh, this past weekend. So, and I've been telling you about Jaden for a few weeks now. So, you know, go Tigers, laissez les bon temps roule. I'll give that to you at the end for real in a minute. But yeah, thanks for having me. Man. It's always good to be here. <laughs> Yo, man, I actually want to double click on that kind of popcorn and some information around. So I spoke to you guys in about two weeks or so, man. Your boy won a Heisman. I, I personally gave you a phone call after it was announced on Saturday, man. But you know, to kind of put it on record. 
you know, how you really feel about it, man. Like, I, obviously, you're excited about about the about the Heisman. Um, another LSU Tiger, you know, gets to wear that particular crown. And I mean, I'm gonna keep it a buck. You know, after they they lost the, the opening week and they started playing pathetic, you know, throughout the first little bit of the season, you came on this very network and said, "Yo, keep an eye on him. He's a dirt horse." And I laughed at you. I didn't think he would get it done, but you did. You were the first person I called when when his name got you know announced on Saturday. Man, talk to me about it. Yeah, no, man, I appreciate it. And at the end of the day, man, I mean, listen, Kevin Williams won it last year with a team that lost multiple games. It wasn't Jaden Daniels' fault that they didn't have a defense. Uh, I mean, you probably could have rolled out the the Mater Day Catholics defense and and had as good a results. But the one thing is, it caused the offense to have to score every time they they touch the ball. So you really couldn't be that conservative. And interesting thing is, so he comes in from California, and at first he's not skinny, he's not big enough. And then last year they said, well, he takes the ball down too much. So he went back in the lab and went to work, man. And, I mean, listen, this year the man accounted for almost 5,000 yards. You got 3,800 yards plus throwing the ball. You got 1,100 plus on the ground. You got 40 touchdowns to four as far as passing versus interceptions and 10 more rushing touchdowns. So he accounted for 50 touchdowns with only four picks all year, uh, 72, 73% completion rate. Like, I don't know what else you want from him. Uh, he even had decent numbers in the Florida State game. Now, the last touchdown was a garbage touchdown. Uh, but he had decent numbers in that game. But, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, that that offense put up all kinds of numbers. And so – uh, I think the guy deserves it. You know, shout out to Michael Penix, uh, Bo Nix, other guys in this race. But I, I do think he deserves it. I think that uh, at the end of the day, I mean, it was crazy to see Sirius because to me, like just one of the most impressive guys in college football that I saw this year. When they touched the ball, you had it uh, a good field that they were going to find a way to score. And this wasn't check downs and all long drives. He – he put a lot of balls out there for his receivers to make plays on it. And I mean, the last thing I will say about this, man, it, it's really good for LSU in that it's, it's sort of a change, right? So once they lost Ryan Perilou because he got kicked out of school, this team, a couple of transfers, a couple of uh, five-star prospects, but, you know, vanilla offenses and didn't really have, um, didn't really have the systems in place. So, really from Jamarcus to Joe Burrow for over a decade, everybody thought, you know, LSU was a quarterback away and they just couldn't get the quarterback production. And now you see two transfer guys, but two guys in a five-year period, basically four calendar years apart, uh, winning the Heisman Trophy from their school. Not a lot of schools can say that's been happening. Uh, And so it changes the narrative because you know you're going to have the athletes. Uh, they've been putting together the good lines. And so, you know, you don't hear – you're not going to hear people say, why would you, as a top-rated quarterback, go to LSU? You know, like now you the, – the proof's in the pudding, and you can uh, succeed at the highest level at that school, at the quarterback position. So I think it's good for the program as a whole, but uh, just proud of what Jaden has been able to accomplish – uh, over a couple-year period in Baton Rouge and how much his game has grown. And, you know, I'm excited to see if he can do anything at the next level. But at the end of the day, like, what a special season by a special football player and a special young man. And he showed a lot of humbleness in his speech and everything, too. 
like really thanking a lot of people. And so, uh, you know, just a good dude. I'm, I'm proud of him. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm very, very proud of him. I mean, for me, I would have, I, I, my money was on Michael Pettis Jr. winning it um, based off of just everything that I was able to watch, um, you know, him accomplish over, you know, his, his career, you know, being at Indiana and then transferring from Indiana to Washington and, you know, all, all that thing. And they find themselves the number two team in the country. I'm, I, I, I figured the fact that, you know, LSU uh, was, was a three-loss ball club and didn't really get themselves into uh, a conference championship, let alone uh, uh, playoff, what, what, what hurt him. I felt as though last year, even though he was well-deserving, Caleb Williams did manage to play in, in a conference championship. He subsequently lost it. But, um, yo, shout-out to him, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., um, and, and the rest of the guys there. Uh, Sam College football, um, it looks like Bo Nix is returning for, his, for, for another year, um, which makes things a little interesting for, for Oregon as it pertains to the new transfer they just got, uh, Dylan Gabriel. Um, so, I, I mean, do you guys think that's a good move uh, for Bo Nix to, to come back, or, or do you think he's just, you know, he needs to go ahead and go pro? Uh, you know, talk to me about it. Uh, I'll go with you first, Breaking News. Well, I mean, it, listen, the bottom line is, is it, it really, I think what it really boils down to is, like, how do you feel about uh, this year's quarterback class versus next year? And, you know, th- there's, a, there's a very good chance. You mentioned Penix, you know, May, Caleb Williams. Um, I mean, there's, there's several good quarterbacks that could have pushed him, you know, down the boards, maybe even potentially into round two. Uh, you look at next year, and this is just off the top of my head, so if I miss one, I'm, I'll tell you guys now. I apologize. But uh, I'm, I'm thinking of the kid from Penn State, Aller, Sh- uh, Shador Sanders, and Ewers from Texas, and that's about it. Um, so I, 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 think, I think part of the decision might be that um, he may view it as they have a strong team there in Oregon, you look at the two uh, biggest threats to Oregon. Penix is leaving for Washington. Uh, Caleb Williams is leaving. So, uh, I mean, there he, he's kind of right. It's kind of right for the taking as far as you know potentially potentially being able to you know win the Pac-12 and then potentially maybe even play for a national championship. Um, Big Ten next think, year. What's that? He's a Big Ten quarterback next year. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I think I think uh, draft position probably has a lot to do with it. You know, as you know, seriously, uh, they talked to the advisory committee. When you look at his age, which you know nowadays players are playing longer and longer, but when you look at the fact that you know, I think he's already twenty six. Um, you know, maybe close to twenty seven by the time it's you know uh, the season's over. Uh, you know, and you're going to commit five years to, you know, quarterback, you know, in the first round. I, I, I just think that, you know, maybe some people want to see him do it again at Oregon. And I think that there there is something to that, right? Because I, I do think that this year's quarterback class, I think May 
or Caleb Williams would be number one, whether it was this class or next class. So they're generational type talents. So I, I, I can see why he stayed, even though I think he probably would have been a first round pick if he would have came out. Yeah. I, I, I want to take the flip side of that. And, First of all, we know that Caleb Williams is skipping the bowl game, right? But has he officially announced that he's going pro? He has not because officially announced it, but like no, you said, why else yeah, would you it, yeah. skip the bowl game? Well, maybe you haven't decided yet, and maybe you don't feel like you have anything to gain by playing in a bowl game that's not a playoff game. Okay, yeah, but let me ask you this, Harvey. Just just optics. You're the quarterback. You, you are the face of this quote-unquote franchise. You tell me how you could possibly skip the bowl game and then come back next year. Well, if you have a coach that, that believes in you that much, I'm not saying that it's the right thing to do, and I'm saying all indications look like that he will go. Yeah. But there, has not been, there hasn't been any official announcement, and we also know there were right. rumblings earlier this season that said if he didn't like the team he was going to go to, he could almost make as much money at USC coming back. So – I. I think he will go. I, I agree with you. I'm just well, wanted to point out for the record that it has not been made official. And so, though it's likely, there's a possibility, even if it's remote, that he doesn't. I think, though, I do believe Caleb Williams would go ahead of Knicks. I think there's a couple other guys that would. Uh, the one thing I will say, this does make it interesting with Dylan Gabriel coming there, because I know he was at Central Florida, and so he may not have more than one year left of eligibility. Right, so uh, this does really muddy up those waters with Nick's coming back. The one thing that I will say about Bo Nix, now he has improved tremendously over the last couple of years. Like I think going out to Oregon, getting out of the shadow of Auburn and Daddy School and all that, and really uh, you know going to work has made a huge difference for this young man in his game. I could argue right now that I don't know if the if the, his value would be any higher. Now, like you said, maybe I agree. with maybe with a different quarterback class, but, you know, if he can maintain it for another year, then maybe so. But uh, Bo Nix is coming off as good a season as anybody could have ever expected from him. And so mm-hmm. at the end of the day, with nothing being guaranteed, that, there's almost a part of me that says, yo, go get your money, kid. But I can understand, like, having fun at the University of Oregon, Neil Deal money and that kind of stuff. And, uh, like, I can understand why you would come back because – you feel like it doesn't matter whatever conference you're in. You're going to the Big Ten next year. You feel like you've got a chance to compete with these schools in the Big Ten. Ohio State's going to have a new starter at quarterback. We don't know what Michigan's going to look like for sure. Uh, you know, Penn State's got Kobe Aller, but, you know, Penn State's got to show they can beat those other two, right? So, I mean, you look at it, and like you said, Washington with a new quarterback, uh, the chances are there for him to be able to contend for a playoff spot again next season. So you can understand why he might decide to come back with unfinished business. But I don't, I just don't know that he's, he's going to outperform this season. I think he might've had the best college season he's going to have. Um, so I agree with, 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 I actually with, agree with Harvey. I actually agree with you, Harvey there. I just want to quickly say, I actually agree with you, Harvey. If if I was representation, that's why I also threw in the caveat with everybody else leaving. If if he truly believes, because I mean, keep keep in mind, like you could have very easily put Oregon five or six, and and you know, in the off season, 
especially with all the controversy between Florida State and Georgia, like, like you know, you know, not to like open that wound again, but like, there's nobody, there's nobody who's going to convince me that Georgia is not one of the four best teams in the nation. They they literally went two years without losing a game. They lost one game by three points, and all of a sudden they don't even make the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised if it expands to six teams, maybe even potentially as soon as next year. They may re-vote on that, and I think there's a very good chance that Oregon will be a top six team. All right, we're going to 12 next year. 12 is the deal next season. This is the last year. Yeah, there you go. And we're going to 12 next year. Uh, there you Jerry, go. Let me get one. Let me get one thing out on that real quick, because I, I, we didn't get a chance to break this down last week, and I know we're kind of a, a, across the board, but let me get one thing out real fast. Uh, I don't think that this was the right thing to do. I can understand why they did it. I believe if Georgia had beaten Florida State, and I understand if an if was a fifth, we could have, be half drunk, but if Georgia had beaten Alabama, excuse me, I think the four undefeated conference champions go to the playoffs. I think if Georgia wins, I think you have Georgia, Michigan, uh, Washington, and Florida State. I really do believe that. Um, I think with Alabama winning that game and winning the SEC, they didn't want to keep the SEC champions out. And because Texas had previously beat Alabama, we can't take Alabama without Texas. And then we go back to the mantra of we want to get the four best teams, not the four most deserving. They were telling you that on the wrap-up shows the last few weeks. As soon as Jordan Travis got hurt, they were saying that we got to get the four most uh, best uh, best teams, not necessarily the four most deserving. But I think if Georgia had won and you had four undefeated conference champions, those are the teams that would have gone. Texas would have been on the outside looking in. But and because of Texas beating Alabama, now that's a different Alabama team, I believe, than it was early in the season. But because Texas uh-huh. beat them, uh, because Texas beat them earlier in the season. And with Alabama uprooting out Apple Card, everybody's not happy about it. You can blame Nick Saban for screwing up something else in college football. But once Alabama beat Georgia, I, I agree with uh, breaking news. I think Georgia was probably one of the four best teams in the country. But once Alabama knocked them off, that's, that's the domino that knocked Florida State out. I believe that. See, respectfully, I disagree with that. Again, you, you posed a legitimate, a, a legitimate point. But ultimately, I am of the belief that they wanted to get the four best teams in college football. Now, we can sit here and make a case for Georgia because I'm with Brian. I, 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 I don't think that there are, are three other teams that are better than the Georgia Bulldogs, you know. But the fact that they did lose to Alabama at the wrong time. Very difficult. Yeah, at the wrong time, it makes it very, very difficult for the committee to keep Alabama out of the college football playoffs. But there was no shot and and you know where that Florida State was gonna get anywhere near a college football playoff once their quarterback yeah. went down. Uh, they they would have put they, they, they would have found a way to get Ohio State in there because Ohio State is, is in no the same way. boat. You know what I'm saying? Oh, hold on. Let me hold on. Ohio State had to run the gauntlet that they ran, okay? And their only loss was to the eventual number one team in the country. So if you want to sit there and talk about strength of schedule and, and, and you know, opponents and this, that, and the third, I can make a legitimate case for Ohio State 
getting in there before I can make a legitimate case for Florida State based off of the simple fact that their quarterback is not available to them. Rebuttal? Yeah, my my rebuttal my rebuttal would be, and, and I understand they lost twice to the same team. Uh, I, I think I think Oregon's better than them, uh, without without question. Uh, Ohio State's biggest problem this year, and anyone that watched Ohio State versus anybody who watched Ohio State versus uh, Michigan saw it, and and Ty hit the nail on the head. This was probably the first time in ten years that oh, I have seen an Ohio State quarterback that could not throw the ball. That offense could not function. The quarterback that they have there, no disrespect to the kid, but, but he's horrific. McCarthy made him look if – you, if you, I'll tell you how bad it is. If you swap McCarthy and that kid, the Michigan quarterback and the, and the Ohio State quarterback, Ohio State wins that game. That it, – it, 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 could not could not get the ball to his playmakers, and because of that, I don't think they get in because I think that what holds Florida State out, and I agree with you, Sirius, I think what holds Florida State out is they are the board of the committee is deathly afraid of having a repeat TCU, and when when Florida State only scored 16 points in the championship game, they were like, wait a minute, we put them up against Washington or Georgia or Alabama, it's going to be 35-7 to 7 because they can't score. Now, what I would say to um, Harvey's defense is you're talking about probably one of the best defenses we've seen in the last 10 years. I don't think anybody's scoring 35 or 40 points on Florida State. And I do think that they – I understand what they say about best teams versus deserving they're a power five, first power five team that went undefeated that didn't make didn't make the championships or didn't make the playoffs. They they deserved a shot, but I think they they were worried that TCU was going to happen all over again. No, I agree, and here's my rebuttal to that though. Uh, there is more there to a team than just a quarterback. I understand quarterback driven, all this kind of stuff. But there's more to one team than just a quarterback. I will also tell you that I think that Florida State was hurt by Louisville losing to Kentucky the week before as well. That yep. took some of the shine off Louisville. Louisville already had the loss to Pittsburgh, who wasn't a very good team this year. But they were able to kind of bounce back and win all the rest of their games. Uh, but the the loss to Kentucky, I think, hurt the ACC credibility. Uh, in some ways, but that being said, Louisville beat some decent clubs this year uh, and took care of business. And my, my only argument, I, I really believe, though, serious is at the end of the day, this Florida State team. Now, some of it wasn't always pretty, but they did everything you could have asked them to do. Now, could they have won by wider margin? Sure. There's a Power Five undefeated team that had to play a conference championship game as well to get in. And the reason why I think if Georgia had won that you might have seen the four undefeated champs because then you don't necessarily have to – you do have to answer why did you take a undefeated team without their quarterback over a one-loss team. But it, it becomes an easier uh, question, and I think Florida State gets in over Texas. I, 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 just, I just do. 
and I, and I think it would have come down to those being the last two teams because I think Texas would have gotten in over Ohio State. The, the the other thing that I will tell you though that I think does uh, you know I think it hurt Texas not to have Oklahoma again and for Oklahoma to have slipped up against Oklahoma State. I mean, obviously there's a few other things that 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 could have made a difference and, and made it a little bit easier for these teams. I agree with all the things that you're saying about Ohio State, but keep in mind they almost really mucked it up because, uh, you know, Alabama had a fourth and 31 that they had to come down with at the end of that game the week before. They almost didn't get by Auburn. And then could you imagine, right. then if right. they turned around and beat Georgia, then you might have seen no SEC team in there, which would have really messed it up. And <laughs> I, I will tell you that Alabama and Texas were also beneficiaries of Washington winning the Washington-Oregon rematch, too. Because if Oregon wins that game, that really messes with things, too. But like I said, yep. I think if Florida, if you if you have four undefeated conference champions and you have an even four, I think that's what happens. And, and I understand what you're saying, serious, but I think they make it simple. But like I said, when when you didn't when Georgia goes down and you got to pick between one lost teams, they took Alabama, who just beat them head to head, and Texas, who beat them. I mean, that's a respect, man. It's, it's going to be a great uh, great battle, if you will. Um, I, I, again, I, I'm, I'm of the belief that I think they got they got it right, but I mean, all points and, and, and positions are, are valid because I mean, we could stay here all night and, and, and play the what if game and 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 all that, and again, everybody's posing legitimate points uh, to, to the argument. Um, call the numbers nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine. Lock a little with Sports City Chefs. I didn't get a chance to talk with you guys about the, the college football playoffs. I wanted to spend a little bit of time uh, before we transition to, you know, the NFL to talk about that. And as we transition, let's go ahead and pay some bills, man. Shout out to PHI Apparel uh, for sponsoring this show and the rest of the other shows here on Sports City Chefs, the network. This portion of our program is brought to you by PHI Apparel Company. PHI Apparel Company provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of the Philadelphia area. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt that they'll stand out in the crowd. Act now and listeners can use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co. Remember to use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off. Act now while supplies last. Shout out to PHI Apparel for sponsoring this show and the rest of the shows here on Sports and Chef the Network. Definitely check them out as they get ready uh, to deliver holiday goodness across the masses. The goes up to the Phillies are about to kick back off. The Eagles are in the trick of things. The 76ers are doing their thing. So definitely check out all that information. So, gentlemen, I, I wanted to transition and talk about the NFL, if you will. And since I haven't been with you guys for two weeks, uh, I'm gonna take it. Um, you can take it anywhere you want to. Anywhere you want to take it. Um, I wanted to start with the news of the day, uh, at least in my opinion, with the news that uh, the the LA Chargers have officially shut down uh, Justin Herbert. He is put on season-ending IR after uh, surgery on his finger. This dude hasn't been right for, for a long period of time. Um, and so I wanted to kind of get you guys' opinion on that move. Um, the Chargers are still mathematically in the playoff picture. Um, and with all that firepower on the offense, it's, it's a shame that they are 
uh, as bad as they are, but I wanted to talk to you guys about it. Uh, breaking news, talk to me, man. Justin Herbert is on the shelf for the remaining uh, 2023 season, joining a long list of quarterbacks. Uh, talk to me, man. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, man. I, I find it extremely frustrating uh, and, and sad for him. Um, I've said this multiple times, and I, I know – Many Charger fans are very disappointed in the season. Uh, it, it is not Justin Herbert's fault. That dude has balled out all year long. He's had to deal with more than any one quarterback should have to deal with between offensive line issues, between, quarter, between wide receivers that can't catch passes, the worst coaching staff in the entire league. Yes, I said it. The worst coaching staff in the entire league. I don't care what anybody says. I challenge anybody to, 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 that wants to debate with me on that. Brandon Staley's the worst head coach. You look at, uh, you look at the offensive coordinator, uh, the kid from uh, Kellen Moore from uh, Dallas. How is it that, Dallas, that, that Kellen Moore, how is it that Kellen Moore leaves Dallas and the offense improves under a fossil that hasn't coached offense in like 15 years? Like, I, I think the kid has gotten a ton of credit for being a, a savant, but I think the reality is the Chargers' defense is trash. The offense is, unpredi- is, is predictable. The offensive line doesn't block, and his head coach just doesn't know how to manage a game. I think you take Justin Herbert standalone, just put him to the side, I think he's potentially a top-five quarterback. Like, he's that good. Like, I put him in the same breath as Mahomes and Burroughs and all these guys. It's not his fault that the team around him doesn't allow him to, to make the playoffs. But I really hope for him that he gets an offensive-minded coach and can really show what he can do because that guy has done more with less for seasons, and he, he deserves better. I can respect it. I mean, here is my only retort, and again, I, I have to give credit where credit is due. I believe Justin Herbert um, is a victim of, of bad coaching and tends to not um, tends to not do well when, when it matters. Um, and again, not every turnover is created equal. Not every sack is, is on the 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 feet of the offensive line or whatever case it be, but Justin Herbert also does, you know, rank near the top of the league um, and, and turning the ball over and putting the ball in, in harm's way. Um, and so I'm not too sure if that's, you know, him just trying to call or run what it's called. Um, but I do honestly, honestly, honestly wish uh, nothing but the best for Justin Herbert, the person I can't stand the Chargers. Um, so the fact that they are constantly bottoming out and, and choking is, is, is encouraging for me. Um, but I, I do love the guy. You know, if there was a way we could work a deal um, and get him in Pittsburgh, that would that, be great, which is another competition that, that I say for another day. Um, but, yeah, Justin Herbert and, and, and the Chargers uh, seems like they're done here uh, for the 2023 season. Harvey, talk to me about it. Harvey, if you're talking, you're on mute, sir. Yeah, I was. Here you go, man. Uh, so, listen, 
Justin Herbert's got all the arm talent in the world. He's got a strong arm. He can throw that thing. Uh, I do still – I've seen him improve a little bit, but there are still a lot of uh, pieces to his game that I question as well. Sometimes decision-making, but sometimes like those – those touch passes. He's gotten a little better, but I still really question sometimes his ability to put some touch on the ball in different situations. Uh, that being said, I think he's definitely, you know, better than average and a, and, a, and a good quarterback. I don't know if he's as great as some people want to anoint him as. Uh, that being said, when you got a coaching staff as, as inept as what he has there, uh, you know, you you know, you're fighting with one hand behind your back. So I would love to see him have the right coaching staff and right people in place to really be able to contend. You're in a very, uh, you know, you got, for my money, the best quarterback in the league, and it's not close in that division. Uh, you know, I, Sean Payton and Denver have got to figure it out. You've already started to see them improve some as the season has gone on for sure. Uh, you know, we don't know what the Raiders are doing. I don't think the Raiders know uh, what the Raiders are doing right now. So, uh, but it, it's still kind of a, a tough hill to climb in that <clears throat> division. We talked about the AFC being tough anyway. Uh, you know, if there was any question, if this was last year, I would say that this may buy Brandon Staley some more time. But my my response to that would be for what? You know, I hate to see it for the kid, and I hate to see. You know, just the injuries in general. It's funny, though, because the guy they talk about being the most injury-prone of all the NFL starting quarterbacks, uh, Lamar Jackson has actually played a lot more than just about anybody would have ever expected this season. But you look, Herbert's down, Joe Burrow's down, Derek Carr just had another concussion today in practice. Not really, but I'm just saying, like, he's having more concussions. His brain just scrambled as as eggs for an omelet right now. Uh, we, We are seeing... I feel like even more injuries to quarterbacks around the league this year uh, than what we've seen in a while. I feel like this is kind of the cursed year for the quarterback. And, you know, Justin Herbert's just the next one, you know, in in that line of guys to go down. Uh, I hate it for the kid, but at the same time, they're getting killed on the line. This is not a very good team. To me, it, it may be a blessing in disguise for him to be out for the rest of the year, get that finger fixed, and see if they can do something, you know, to really help him and give him better resources moving forward. I don't know how good the guy is. I, I personally do not consider him in the same uh, atmosphere as even a Joe Burrow right now, uh, though I know he was more highly talented coming out until Joe Burrow had that crazy good uh, uh, senior season. But, uh, you know, I, I think we'll see. But I, I would like to see him have more of a fighting chance. And so, you know, maybe this just ensures that this Chargers team misses the playoffs and maybe they bring in some competent coaches. I think, honestly, like, you could bring us in there with another guy or something, and we might could do a better job uh, than what's happening, you, you know, right now, you know, in Chargerville. And, honestly, not only do they need an offensive coach, man, but they need a name. They need somebody that's going to grab some interest. And I say that because you're already sharing this stadium. And people thought the Rams were going to be down for a long time. This is going to be a huge rebuild project. News for you, the Rams are not bad. They're not going away against anybody, right? Like, they just took the Ravens down the wire. The Ravens had to have a high, 
you know, high wire act uh, for a punt return to win this game in overtime. The Rams aren't taking a back seat, and they're competitive. And this is a team that really had to blow it up. And they're still more competitive than the other uh, team that they share that stadium with right now. And so, to me, if you want to do come anywhere close to having half of your fans uh, in that stadium, then you really better do something uh, special to energize this fan base. And I don't know if the move's out there, but I know that they can't keep going this direction because they're going down a sinkhole. Uh, this franchise is in quicksand right now. So let me ask you this question, you know, saying I'm, both of you guys can, can answer it. You know, who would be the ideal candidate that you would still need to go in there um, and, and revitalize that, that, that organization? Because, I mean, obviously you're not going to get rid of Herbert. I think Keenan Allen's there. you gotta, you got to deal with the, the, the Austin Eckers situation, make sure he, you know, gets paid and whatever the case may be. But it seems like every time I turn around, you know, Mike Williams is hurt, so that's another weapon you know, that Justin Herbert doesn't have to use. Keenan Allen's been surprisingly healthy the majority of the year, but Austin Eckler's missed. Um, and if their head coach, Brandon Staley, is, is as we call him, a cornball, um, can't coach himself. I mean, Breaking News called him the worst coach in, in the league this year, and I, and I don't think I don't think he's speaking hyperbole. I mean, I, based off of the statistics and based off of what we've all seen, he's speaking the truth. Who would you, get to, who would you want to get to go in there? Either one of you guys can well, answer it. I don't know if this is the right name, uh, but when you look at what they've been doing offensively, I think a guy that they will at least definitely try to talk to, and I don't know how much the fan base would be sold on, but I think uh, a guy to really consider is Ben Johnson in Detroit. Uh, that offense has been really good. Uh, they've been putting up good. Num- that they've been putting up good mm-hmm. numbers, and. I, like I said, I don't know if that's exciting enough to really, really energize that fan base, but that's an offensive-minded coach who's had a lot of success with golf and those guys uh, offensively in Detroit. And so, to me, I, I think he's at least a guy that I put on my list of people to talk to. Um, if Rivera's not fired, which I think he will be, I think Eric Bieniemy is another guy. Uh, but to me, if it's not somebody like that, you you have to take a little bit of time to do a little bit of digging and see if you can find somebody with like some LA or Charger roots that would really excite this fan base. And I'm not sure really off the top of my head. I'm I'm kind of thinking about it right I, now. I'm not sure who that guy is. I think personally, serious. I don't think it has to have anything to do with Charger roots. And I say that respectfully to Harvey, but. Harvey mentioned earlier, and I live in California, as you guys know, an hour from the stadium. I've been to SoFi Stadium several times. It's almost always an away game for the Chargers. So you don't need – what you need is a proven winner. And I don't know if he would leave, but maybe the legal trouble would be the nudge he needs. I go get Jim Harbaugh. Back up the Brinks truck. Get him back. We've already proven Mm -hmm. track record. You saw what he did in the NFL with the 49ers. You already know that he has the ties, Vic Fangio, Greg Roman. Like, he ha- his coordinators have went on and had success. He will be able to build uh, a, a great staff with the connections he's made, with the connections he has with his brother. Like, that's what the Chargers need. The Chargers need a legitimate leader. And I'm not saying that Ben Johnson's not that guy. But you need, you need a guy to come in that has star power. you got to remember, this is L.A. 
There's 900 other things to do in L.A., so why are they going to stop and go to SoFi? And that kind of name might be enough to get them to come to the stadium. Well, yeah, and to your point, I said Charger or California ties or, you know, ties to the area. Yeah. And I think Harbaugh, you know, I, I, I think Harbaugh having at least one at Stanford for a few years, which is not very easy yeah. to do, and then what he was able to do with the 49ers. And you're right, like, uh, you know, maybe now is the time to get out at Michigan before even more sanctions come down. And and I think you're right. You back up the truck for him and try to do everything you can to to bring him there. But to me, if it's not like a Ben Johnson or an up-and-coming offensive mind, it has to be a guy like that, a guy who's been around for a long time, whose name um, is sort of a lightning rod for attention, both good and bad. But at least, you know, if, if, if his name shows up in print uh, in reference to anything to do with media quotes or anything to do with that franchise, it's clickbait because it's him. Right. A, a, a name that I, I'm seeing starting to gain, gain some traction here, um, and again, another another California uh, tie, if you will, um, and Brian, you're going to laugh at me when I tell you this, is Brian Greasy, quarterback coach right now of the San Francisco 49ers. You see what he's doing with, you know, Brock Purdy right now. Um, you know, maybe he's a guy who kind of gets, you know, plucked. Um, and another guy, you know, Brian Schottenheimer, the offensive coordinator for the for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I'm not too sure if, if that's going to work based off of the marriage with Kellen Moore. It was my understanding that, you know, when Kellen Moore came in there, um, he would potentially be a, a, a candidate to – you know, get that coaching job because he he's been up for a couple of coaching uh, hires himself. Um, so and I think that would probably be a bad move. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's gonna be interesting to see how this thing pans out. I I, I do I, I think we all are sitting here in agreement and understanding that uh, firing is, is imminent uh, in in Los Angeles with, with the Chargers, and I'm I'm a pivot that to talk about uh, the next firing uh, that we know is coming, and that, that's Ron Rivera up the street from where I currently live with the Washington Commanders. And I'm going to come right back to you, breaking news. Um, all signs look to be, um, you know, be uh, <clears throat> enemy getting get that particular job, but there's some outside, you know, influences that may be uh, looking at a different direction. You know, when, when this thing finally ends, <laughs> Uh, in, in a couple of weeks, who do you foresee the commanders going after and potentially hiring? Listen, I, I think sometimes teams can overthink it. Uh, you know what? I, I think you've already hit the nail on the head, at least in my opinion. Um, I think I think Eric Bieniemy has earned the right to be a head coach. He's proven time and time again. I mean, listen. No, no disrespect to Sam Howe. You know, we kid on the show. I told you he's a he's a franchise guy, this and that, and you know all these other things. The the bottom line is, Sam Howe is top five right now in passing yards in the NFL. As bad as this team is, he is getting he is absolutely maximizing and getting the most out of Sam Howe. And, you know, some people might say, oh, well, Sam Howell's, you know, more talented than we had originally thought. I'm going to give it to the offensive coordinator. I think, I, think, I think the man deserves a head coaching gig. 
And I think they would be crazy, especially with the rapport that he's already built there with not only the fan base and with the players. Uh, I think it would be just ludicrous to to remove Ron Rivera and to basically dismiss the the, the hottest head coaching candidate from two years ago. Like I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna entertain another name if they if they interview anyone else, it's rigged. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If if the Washington Commanders let go of Ron Rivera and they do not give that job to Eric Bieniemy, I will call whatever his truck or truck choice is: Ryder, U-Haul, Pinsky, and have that truck at Dennis Allen's house, so he can go ahead and just package and get out of there. Because to me. Uh, I would take Eric Bieniemy in New Orleans right now. I, listen, I don't care if I don't care. Seriously, I don't care if Gail Benson has to be the head coach for the rest of the season. She couldn't probably do any worse. I would run Dennis Allen out of town right now, right now, as they say in the South, for Eric Bieniemy to be the next head coach of the New Orleans Saints. So if, if Washington don't, there are some, there are some other teams that I think, uh, you know, you you look at the enemy right now. And you can't say he's just a product of the Andy Reid system. You can't say, well, he's got the best quarterback in the league, you know, pulling the trigger. So you can't blame it on that anymore. And ain't nothing wrong with Washington's offense. And I think, even though they traded away some edge people and whatever else, I think that they have some young talent there uh, with some of the guys that they picked up over the last couple of years. I think that you can build on something there and be competitive in that division sooner rather than later in D.C. Yeah, for 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 me, I I think it's gonna really be Eric Bieniemy, but some other names that I'm I'm seeing get floated around: Brian Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles; uh, Frank Smith, the guy who's helping call the shots right now, offensive coordinator in Miami with the Dolphins; um, you know, Bobby Skolick, the guy who's helping uh, call the shots as an offensive coordinator right now for T.J. Stroud in Houston. Um, so there's a there's a lot of names that are uh, being floated around, but I, I think it's all wordplay. I think it's all you know. I don't want to say clickbait, but it, it, it's going to be Airbnb to me, in my opinion. One more guys, and then we'll go ahead and, and move on. And you know, we never would have thought that that would come to this, but uh, the the New England Patriots are officially eliminated from postseason contention. Um, we're talking about Bill Belichick potentially. Um, being you know blown out of there, who do you think replaces Bill Belichick? Anyone of you guys can answer that one. So it could have been it could have been, been Josh McDaniels, much to the detriment of that franchise, if he hadn't decided to go to Vegas. But now that he did, uh, it won't be him, right? And so I I don't know now. I mean, there, there was a point when this team was doing so well that you would have thought that it might have been somebody of his staff, but with the way this is looking now, I I think that you can mention a lot of those names that you just said, plus once again, this is a rebuild, make no mistake, but whoever you bring in, they're going to have to have a little bit of a lengthy leash. This is a a, a rebuild, uh, if there ever was one, in the the NFL, because – there's not a ton of talent across the board on this roster. But to me, 
I think they bring in an offensive mind. So, once again, I think that you're going to hear guys like Ben Johnson and Brian Greasy and Brian Johnson and, and all these guys, the guy with the Texans you were talking about, the guy calling the shots with the uh, Dolphins offense. You're going to hear all these guys that are part of offenses, that are part of uh, productive offenses. You're going to hear them in the name for almost every coaching job this offseason. Because the other thing to tell you is, D'Amico Ryan is kind of an exception, and I think if you got the right guy, you can win. And I think Vrabel's going to have a little bit more time in New England, but they may try to call him and see if he wants to come home, quote-unquote, uh, to New England with his franchise rebuilding in Nashville right now anyway. But to me, I feel like we're getting more and more to the point that you almost – you either have to go offensive with your head coach or you got to make sure that you have a really good offensive, dynamic offensive coordinator to come in to work with a defensive head coach because uh, scoring is more at a premium. I mean, it, it, it's more important to score now. Yes, you got to be able to stop people, but the, you know we're not seeing, except for these last couple weekends with some ugly football games, you're not seeing many three to nothing, six to three type games uh-huh. anymore. And so. I, you have to be cutting edge offensively nowadays. I really believe, like, to be able to contend for a championship. You might can win ugly and get into a playoff, but you got to be able to really produce offensively now. You can't – the days yeah. of being able to win with Jeff Fisher-like offenses, what he ran with Steve McNair and Eddie <laughs> George and whatever else, like the bland offense that the Ravens ran with Trent Dilfer when Ray Lewis was there, those days of being able to win – uh, and contend for championships with that type of offense, those days are over in this league now. Yeah, yeah. I honestly think that there's going to be a, there's going to come a time where you just got to you gotta, you gotta do some stuff. And I, I, th- I think that Bill Belichick, I think that, you know, what he had in New England, uh, you know, w- w- was good for, for them in that franchise. Um, you know, they kind of found him off of, I don't say off of scrap heap, if you will, in Cleveland, but ultimately, um, I, I think it's time to come to an end, and it's going to be interesting to see where he lands, um, should he decide he wants to keep coaching, um, uh, again. So, uh, call number nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine. 277 275 here with Sports City Chef. Um, wanted to pivot and talk about, uh, these weekend's games, if you will, um, and, I, and Mr. Harvey, I, I start with you. Offense didn't look too good, but you really didn't need it playing the worst team in the NFL this this year in the Carolina Panthers. Um, you know, I, I, I'm gonna shoot you straight, though. I, I wonder. I mean, the division is there to be had, but you're losing opportunity to go out and get you get you a franchise quarterback by by winning as much as you're winning. Clearly, Carr is not the guy. Um, there seems to be a disconnect with the offense. Uh, t- talk to me, my man. You guys won the ball game, which is more than I can say for the Steelers. Um, but you guys won the ball game. Talk to me, man. I think that if the Saints had played any other team in the National Football League, they would not have won this past weekend. Don't let this 28-6 to score fool you. It was much closer than that for a lot of this game. This team looked discombobulated, disjointed. Uh, and like was said a couple weeks ago by Alvin Kamara, like they lacked some identity. I think that 
Pete Carmichael is not the guy for the offensive coordinator position. You know, he was there with Sean Payton for a long time, but he wasn't the play caller and didn't have that kind of experience calling plays. And I think it's starting to show. I think Dennis Allen, once again, he's a he's a really good defensive coordinator. Don't get me wrong. Uh, there were times, you know, when they beat Tampa four times in a row in the regular season with Tom Brady and plenty of weapons, they did it because they concocted defensive game plans that really confused Tom Brady. It's hard to confuse him. Uh, and – they, you know, did it with Jameis at quarterback in one of those games because Breeze had gone down. Um, Dennis Allen's a fantastic defensive coordinator. Um, he's not a head coach. Uh, he doesn't have the right people in place uh, to really uh, make this franchise run. They hoped, serious that they have been winning for a while and they hope that maybe once Sean Payton left, that they could kind of elevate a few people and kind of continue on the same track. But you also didn't have your franchise quarterback anymore. You grabbed a guy that's not the guy. I still don't think he's as bad as Ryan Tannehill, uh, but you grabbed a guy who is not the guy, uh, hoping that maybe a veteran leader would, would bring you to that point. It clearly hasn't worked. And the sad thing about it is, this is one of the oldest teams in football. They've drafted some decent players over the last couple of years, but this is still one of the, the oldest teams in football. I, I really do fear, Sirius, that this team is about to slide down. Uh, you know, they're on a slippery slope, and they're going to fall into a pool of mediocrity and have a tough time swimming to shore um, if they don't make some – tough decisions and or maybe, you know, bring in the right franchise quarterback and do some of the right things. If you get the right coach and the right franchise quarterback, you can come back faster than you ever could before with the way parity is in this league. Just look at Houston. How many people thought that we would be talking about Houston as a possible uh, team continuing for the playoffs? Now, that Jets loss really hurt them this past weekend. But Houston's relevant into December. And this is a team that, you know, had really high draft picks, you know, a year ago. So uh, you could do it, but you're not going to do it with the right with the same people in place and continue to do the same thing. They're not going to let Dennis Allen go this year, but they should. But they they did make the wrong call at quarterback. And even though he's got a longer term deal, you can really like cut bait from that after next season. So you got basically one more year. Uh, to deal with that and give him a chance to work his way out of it. But I just don't think it's going to happen, man. And uh, the the future is uh, gloomier uh, for the Houdat franchise than, he, than it has been in several years, to be honest with you. Yeah, you know, uh, a, a lot can be made. And uh, having the right guy under center um, covers up a, a, a lot of warts, if you will. And, and I do believe you know, again, I'm not the guy who honestly believes that the Saints, you know, as a collective or void of talent. I do think that you have some pieces there, both on offense and defense, that can get the job done. And factors, you know, let's keep it a buck. The reason why you guys, in my opinion, won the game and the minute in which you did was more about about your defense 
than it was about your offense, um, at least until significantly late in that ball game. But I, I, I think the quarterback situation is is, is a drastic misfire. Uh, we, we we caught it when, when the move happened. Um, I'm honestly just curious to see where you guys go from here. I mean, I'm not going to talk about you know Joe Flacco and. And, and, and Trubisky and those guys, you guys, in my honest opinion, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but breaking news, you can jump in here if you like. Um, as, as we're talking about about the Saints, me, a, a guy who um, can, can definitely handle what, what what's what's in front of him, um, and, and not a guy who's had a lot of warts. You know, you don't want to go out and get a curse and what. So you have to kind of, you know, retool no. and rebirth. You don't want to have to go out and try to go back to a Jameis Winston who has proven um, that he's not the guy when given the opportunity. I, I think uh, somebody new, somebody, you know, potentially a rookie, if you will, um, that can grow with the team. Break, breaking news, talk to me, man. The, the Saints team, even though they won this past week, you know, it's not looking good. And for, for them, you know, they're, they're playing the division – uh, that you know looks like nobody really wants to lay, lay lay claim to that division. So you know it's very possible they can be wearing T-shirts that say champion. Uh, you know in a couple weeks, um, if some things fall their way. Talk to me about what you saw from from this New Orleans Saints weekend. The Saints just kind of look out of sorts. Uh, Y'all good man. The the Saints just kind of look like uh, out of sorts. I talked about this, like, earlier in the year, and Harvey even agreed with me. Like, you know, the play calling's not um, not super creative. Uh, the defense does what the defense does. But, you know, here's the thing, man. Like, the last time the Saints won was November 5th, before they won this last Sunday. So, like, they're, they're definitely in a backslide they definitely um, have not looked great. And as uh, Harvey already alluded to, like this game was like 14-6, I think, in the fourth quarter. Like I remember flipping it on, and it, it was it was a little bit of a snooze fest. Like rather than like, you know, some teams kind of put their, you know, put their, their foot on the, the other team's throat when they're up, you know, a score or two, like, like kind of like what San Fran did to Philly. Like – like, you could almost see that, like, the Saints were just trying to hold on for dear life. And that's not really what you want to see when you're playing the worst team in the NFL, a, a team that's, you know, whatever it is, 1-12, 1-13. And the crazy thing is, when we've talked about this, the Saints don't have, like, bad players. Like, their, their skill position players are, are good. Kamara's still a very good running back. You know, Alavi is – a, a good receiver. They've got the speedster over there that's 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 very good. They've got an excellent defense that, you know, up until recently, um, you know, was top ten in pretty much every defensive category. And in a division where pretty much nobody wants to win it, you know, because everybody kind of drops games here and there, I think the defense is probably what's going to end up saving them or costing them, if you will. But I did want to make a couple points because you passed over me on a couple things. So one interesting name for uh, Saints, and I don't know if Harvey likes this, but I agree with you. They're not going to be anywhere near in a position to draft a quote-unquote 
franchise guy, but a guy that they could probably fit, flip a fifth-round pick for uh, at the end of the year and totally deserves a fresh start and never got a fair shake. How about Trey Lance? He's from he's from kind of Midwest, North Dakota State area, you know, uh, very, very humble kid, very uh, skilled, athletic, um, young kid that you could you could definitely mold and and, uh, you know, teach the system to very smart, intellectual, you know, has some has some athletic ability to him. Um, And then for uh, New England. I know it won't happen, but, but deep down inside, just because I kind of feel like he got screwed over, and I, I don't see how you could take a coach that's been that successful and not have one of his disciples, like, just come fire, you know, hire way outside the tree. I kind of like Brian Flores going back there. I think Brian Flores kind of emulates to some degree how Bill Belichick is attitude-wise, no-nonsense. He has head coaching experience. I thought he got a raw deal in Miami. Um, and, you know, he's already proven that, he, that you know, people will play for him and that he they, they play tough. You know, uh, one last thing, serious. New England set a record over the course of the last three weeks, and I'm sure you guys probably heard this, a record that nobody thought would ever be broken. This was the first time – First time in 70 years, actually, I'm sorry, 90 years, that a team had held an opponent to 10 points or less three weeks in a row and lost all three games. If you look at the, if you look at the stats for the year going into last week, teams were 52-3 and three when they held the opponent to 10 points or less. Those three losses were all New England the last three weeks. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, I believe me, I, I saw it, you know, and then they played us last Thursday and, 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 and hung 21 on us, you know, so I mean, whatever. I'm, I'm not even talking about that right now. I'm going to say bad words. I'm going to try to say bad words right now. But uh, again, that's insane for the New England Patriots. So the, the issue, in my opinion, you know, with, with the Patriots, and again, I, I love how you mentioned Brian Flores, uh, another disciple. Um, uh, off that tree. Um, but I, 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 I wonder if for 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 Mr. Kraft and the New England Patriots, they need to get. I mean, if they're gonna if they're gonna cut the root uh, out of there, and and Bill Belichick, would you want to hire a disciple all off the wing, and you get like a fresh start, and and go to somebody that that's offensive innovative, if you will. <clears throat> somebody who can draft, somebody who can – because the thing is, with the New England Patriots, you're going to have to do a full-fledged rebuild retool because Bill Belichick is also the GM as well. So he's, he's making the decisions on, on, on who gets the groceries and what groceries they get in there as well. So, you know, maybe they go get somebody – they're going to have to get two people, if you will. I, I'm looking at potentially somebody like a Lewis Verdict who has been passed over for a, a GM job. I, I saw a report today, uh, Ryan Clark is, is looking at potentially getting into, you know, general managing and things of that nature. Do, do they think that far outside the proverbial box? Um, I, I feel as though they're, ha- they're going to have to, if you will, in order to get the New England Patriots correct. Um, but they definitely need to get the quarterback position uh, quarterback position right next. That that's the theme with you know the the Saints that that we talked about earlier 
we're talking about the, the New England Patriots currently. Case could be made. The Pittsburgh Steelers are another squad uh, that needs to get the quarterback position right. I, I guess I could pivot to <coughs> excuse me, pivot there, if you will. In, in two weeks' time, the Steelers lost two uh, to two opponents with a combined record of four and twenty. <coughs> excuse me, before the game started. You know, and, and honestly, gentlemen, um, to to say that I was disgusted would be a drastic understatement. Um, I, I understand that, you know, the, the opponents get, get get paid as well. Um, they have storylines. They got friends. They got families they have to feed. But for us to be a playoff team, uh, like our record calls us to be, and if the playoffs start today, we, we would technically be in the playoffs. For us to lose both of those games in the manner in which we did, both of those games at home, um, is downright disrespectful. And for Stella fans that, you know, are, are trying to poo-poo the noise that, that, that you're hearing from, from people outside of Pittsburgh talking about maybe it's time, it's time to go. Maybe we need to shake the tree a little bit and, 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 and bench Mr. Bisky and, and go out and get a different quarterback. Um, you know, you have to hear that. You have to you have to internalize that, and you have to stop trying to push it off. Like that hearsay, not never has a stellar team played down to their opponents like we have done under the Mike Tomlin era. Now, again, I'm not sitting here on tonight's episode and saying, let's fire the dude, let's get rid of him. But I will say this, um, and, and keeping it short and brief, we have a tendency to play to the level of our competition. And if we are aspiring to be a championship outfit like we talk about being, if the standard is indeed the damn standard, and we want to uh, hold ourselves accountable to the standard in which we set, then we can't come out on consecutive ball games and lose to opponents that we are head and shoulders better than. I don't care if it was a monsoon in Pittsburgh. There should have been no reason why we should have lost to the Arizona Cardinals in the manner in which we did. I don't care if we had Mr. Trubisky playing quarterback on a Thursday night at home. We should not have let them pop up 21 points on us in the first half and have to have a miraculous comeback and let the officials put, put the officials in a position where they have to make a call to err in our favor whether we get a first down or not on, 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 on the punt fiasco. We did it to ourselves. And so um, we have a tough, we have a tough uh, out this week um, in, in, in the Indianapolis in Colts on the road on a Saturday evening. Um, and to be quite honest with you, gentlemen, I am concerned. Um, the still a team that I saw from weeks ago, that's the still a team I'm, ta- I'm looking at now. Uh, you can miss me with this whole, well, XYZ person was injured. Miss me with that. I, I, I don't give a damn. The next person in a helmet represents the squad. I don't care that Kenny Pickett is hurt. Let's, let's keep it a buck. Joe Flacco was sitting on his couch three weeks ago and has more touchdowns uh, than Kenny Pickett has in two years of starting quarterback play. Miss me with that. Matt Canada is this, Matt Canada is that. I was very, very impressed with how we played versus Cincinnati Bengals. I came on this very network 
and said, oh, perhaps he may have figured something out. Perhaps we could have turned the corner. Perhaps we're going to start using the middle of the field. Did the middle of the field, you know, just get, get, get lost? Did we decide to stop throwing there? Did our, did, did our offensive line that was running, run blocking and pass blocking so, so well the previous three weeks before these last two weeks uh, forget to block? I, 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 I don't get it. I don't understand it. You know, the, the, the post-game comments after the Arizona Cardinal game, uh, there were players that said we took the Arizona Cardinals, you know, lightly. Again, comes down to discipline and coaching. You know, talk reading the tea leaves about what took place off the Thursday night game. We weren't prepared. We didn't understand. Uh, you know what? We got to make plays. We got to do better. Let me get this straight. This team, according to what we just heard from breaking news, news breaking news cues, and what we saw on, on the videotape, this team has scored a total of zero points multiple times. And they run up 21. Bailey Zappi was looking like the reincarnation of Tom Brady against our against our defense last last Thursday, and we just expected what? Nothing to happen. Mike Thomas said this in his post game presser uh, when when talked about the issue with tight ends. He said we played really good tight ends. So other teams that are better than the New England Patriots or worse than the New England Patriots figure out a way to cover the tight ends, but we couldn't. We decided to play man defense against a team that uh, was eating our, 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 our makeshift linebackers up. We couldn't go to zone one time, but you want to talk to me about why Steelers fans are pissed. Like I said, I should have done a finger food. Now, I haven't done a finger food in a while. Um, but to, 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 to say, gentlemen, that I was highly disturbed with the performance that I've seen over the past, uh, you know, two weeks of football, would be a drastic understatement, you know. And, again, I, I, I'll let you guys talk about it. I, I, again, I haven't been here in a little bit, and, you know, you guys haven't blown my phone up to, to talk about it. But, Mr. Harvey, again, both of these both of these games were inexcusable. Um, and so what, what do you feel is going on, man? I, I can break it down more in depth, but what do you feel is going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers right now? Harvey, if you're talking, you're on mute, sir. Okay, we maybe have some de- technical difficulties. No, I'm sorry, Breaking news, man. My bad. I'm so sorry. No, I, I mean, looking at this, you, you kind of question with, you know, Pickett being out, what this team's going to be able to do. But these are, are games that you should have been able to win. You, you know, you come back on, on uh, Thursday, Thursday night, and just got off to a really slow start. I mean, they, that Bailey Zappi-led Patriots offense looked competent uh, in the first half of that game. And, you know, I, I think Breaking Hughes said it on our message today. He's like, well, it's down to 11 now. It's still anybody's game. And, you know, I, I think if you played one more quarter, you probably could have walked them down, even with Trubisky quarterback. But, you only got four quarters in that football game, unfortunately. So it didn't work out for him. But listen, uh, you know, been there, done that. I know what it's like to to lose a game that, that you really feel like you should be able to get. You know, uh, Canada is not the scapegoat now for that. I think the team is better with Canada not being there. But once again, um, 
you know, there's a reason why Trubisky has been a backup for most of his career once they realized it didn't work in Chicago. Kind of limited on what you can do. And, you know, he talked about it this week, too. Like, we'd like to see George Pickens find productive ways to show his frustration and, and, and that kind of thing. Because I still think you have some untapped resources on that team. I mean, Najee's playing a little bit better. I like what we have for more. Uh, Deontay Johnson's still skilled. You know, we had the play he gave up on a couple weeks ago, but he's still got skills. I think George Pickens has still been uh, pretty much untapped. Um, so I, I think you still got a lot of the, the pieces in place. But at this day and time, like, to me, uh, these guys that are, are younger, like Porter and some of these younger guys that you've drafted recently, they need to be getting all the run that you can absolutely give them and let these guys develop. Uh, if you've got a veteran who may be on his way out, we know Steelers are more likely to cut a guy and lose one year too early than uh, than too late. So if you got – to me, everything I'm doing in Pittsburgh, sure, it's still possibly winnable in that division, but you don't have your starting quarterback. you got some other things. So if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm I'm looking at the bigger picture. You're probably not running off Mike Thomas, right, like as successful as he's been. So I'm looking at this, and, I, you know, I'm playing my kids, and this is your chance for an audition to see what you can do moving forward so we can figure out you know, what we're trimming off next season and how we're going to continue to put this roster together because we've got teams in this in, in this division that are good. This is a uh, – you could argue this is a tougher division as there is in the NFL. And so, to me, I'm trying to do the best I can to get the best direction I can moving forward because Baltimore is continuing to – we're seeing them produce more offensively. Uh, Joe Burrow is going to be back in Cincinnati, and Cincinnati's finding a way to win games even without him. Uh, and Cleveland's got a good defense, and so they're going to be there. Uh, they're going to be competitive. So if you're Pittsburgh, you need to make sure that you're playing chess and not checkers. And so you got to look yeah, at, the big, yeah. at the bigger picture. Yeah. Breaking news, talk to me, man. Um, you know, the, the still a team is, is Jekyll and Hyde. You know, one week you look decent, the next week you you lose to the to the Arizona Cardinals, man. Talk talk to me now. Well, I hate to be that guy, but I did tell you a while back that the team looks soft. I did tell you a while back, and not to be mean, but just saying they didn't look like the Steelers of yesteryear. When you guys were excited about Matt Canada getting fired and you told me, hey, these are the guys that are going to be the coordinators. What did I tell you? Eh, my want to temper expectations. You guys have gained 450 yards over the course of the last two games against teams that were a combined 6-20. and 20. 450 yards is a good offensive total for one game, but not necessarily for two games. So there is some serious problems. And to further compound the problem, one of the main reasons why they were talking about getting rid of Matt Canada, and you know this, is because they didn't feel like he, he it, the offense wasn't balanced, that he didn't run the ball enough, and that he was doing too many jet sweeps. Well, I got to tell you, I, I'm, starting, I'm starting the eyebrow is raised, and I'm starting to wonder if maybe Matt Canada wasn't the problem. They ran the ball 12 times with Najee in the entire game. 
and it was fairly close in the fourth quarter. Now, I understand they got out to the 21-3 lead, but you guys started to reel them in, and there's a couple plays that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to re- recite for you. Number one, the screen pass to Ezekiel Elliott, where it was like third and 11, and somehow inexplicably, like he ran through like three defenders to get a first down. That's just not Steelers football. The pick by Billy Zappi in New England's red zone area. When is the last time you remember a DB getting tracked down by Ezekiel Elliott? He's, he, wasn't, he's, he hasn't been fast in 10 years. That, that, just, that just screamed to me like, I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm wondering about effort. I, I have a ton of respect for Mike Tomlin and the way he conducts his business. I think there is, I think there is a lot of um, pride and admiration for a head coach that conducts himself, but I, I promise you he's dying inside. This this team is a train wreck, a train wreck. And I know you don't want to hear that series, but it's the truth. This team is a train wreck. There's about four or five guys on this team every Sunday that really put it all on the line, T.J. Watt being one of them. And you just don't have enough dogs anymore. And you know what? You guys are extremely lucky to have a winning record and be in playoff contention. But I told you three or four weeks ago that you weren't going to make the playoffs and that was before you saw this patty cake schedule and said, oh, come on, man, we're playing New England. We're playing the Arizona Cardinals. Like, this team is actually regressing. This team is regressing. They're getting worse. And I understand, like, you know, Harvey said, hey, listen, I understand you have your backup in, but listen, so do the Cincinnati, so do the Cincinnati Bengals. They have the, their backup quarterback in. You know what I mean? Brock Purdy was a backup last year. Now, granted, I understand what he's doing. We've seen Mitchell Trubisky do things in the past. I still believe, and I will say this once again, I still believe that if you look at the weapons on the Steelers, they are a better team than what that product is on the field. And the fact that for whatever reason, inexplicably, the only person that Mitchell Trubisky ever wants to to target is Fairmuth, I have no idea. I don't. I don't know what that is. I don't know if they're, you know, if they're, uh, if they're roommates, <laughs> if you know, Fairmoon's in line for a bonus, and, and you know, Trubisky's going to get a kickback. But I mean, he was throwing into triple coverage when he should be checking the ball down or taking off. You know, it's it's just really bad. I mean, the bottom line is you guys are in the position you're in right now. Kudos, but uh, if you have another option, Mason Rudolph, whoever it is, uh, if you have another option at quarterback, it, it might be time to turn to him. Yeah, and, that, and that's honestly kind of where I'm at with it, to be honest with you, gentlemen. Um, you know, we, we have Mason Rudolph as a backup. I, I personally do not feel that Kenny Pickett is the guy. I, I've said this, you know, multiple times. I said it when we drafted him. Um, I, I think he is a little bit better than than Mr. Bisky, but I, I I don't like any of the quarterbacks that are on our roster. Um, and Mr. Bisky is always going to give you at least one turnover, if not multiple. Um, so you know 
we are a, a, a lucky bunch to be sitting where we're sitting um, with the with the opportunity to have the dest you know a destiny in our own hands, if you will. Um, and here's the thing, B. Like I I don't mind the conversation that that you're having because it's the truth. You know, right now we we don't have any dog in us. You know, what I'm saying T.J. Watt, Mika Fitzpatrick are, 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 are the only two. Like I, I I'm I'm seeing. The, the antics on, on the sideline and, 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 you know, on the field for my wide receivers. But let's not talk about the, the plethora of, of drops that, that Deontay Johnson has, has had. Let's not talk about the plethora of times when you quit on a route, George Pickens, and then the audacity <coughs> of Antonio Brown to come out and say something today uh, trying to give advice and encouragement to, to, to George Pickens was damn right laughable. You know, I, I don't know if you guys saw that, but, again, I, I, I'm going to have to do a finger because uh, I could spend the rest of the time talking about, about what took place, uh, but I, I, I will move on. Um, the big uh, game of the weekend, actually there are two that I want to talk about before we leave uh, this, this afternoon, this evening, uh, took place um, in, in, in Texas, man, where the Dallas Cowboys uh Took it to the Philadelphia Eagles for the, you know, an opponent, you know, beat them pretty handily two weeks in a row. Um, now the Philadelphia Eagles set themselves up uh, with the record that they had, so they could absorb uh, a couple of bad weeks and you know, kind of get themselves back right. If you remember correctly, they, they did this a season ago uh, where they lost two kind of back to back, and they found themselves in the NFC uh, Championship and subsequently a Super Bowl. Um, so, again, I'm not saying that that's how it's going to play out again, but this is where we're at. So, um, talk to me about what you guys saw um, in, in Jerry World uh, when the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys got together. Uh, breaking news, I, I'll come back to you, sir. I think that game was massive. Massive for a couple reasons. Number one, when's the last time that we remember – beating a team that was even remotely good. When's the last time Dallas beat a team we thought they wouldn't beat? So they needed a win like that. They needed a signature win to feel good about themselves. And if you look at the gauntlet of the schedule that Dallas has ahead of them, of the three teams right now that are 10-3 and in the NFC, in San Francisco, the Eagles – and Dallas, Dallas by far has the most difficult schedule remaining. Three of their four games are against teams with a winning record. San Francisco does play Baltimore on um, Christmas night, and then they end the season with the Rams. And then the Eagles, I'm pretty sure they play the Seahawks this week. And then after that, I'm pretty sure all the teams are sub-500. So even they got, we, they got the Giants twice. Yeah, so even with even with that win, there is a very, very good chance that the Eagles still, at the very least, end up winning this division. So to me, the reason why that win was so monumental and so big is Dallas – this is a fairly young team outside of Dak. This team needs the confidence of knowing, hey, we can beat Philadelphia – we can beat San Francisco. We can play with these teams. 
And, and I don't think before the game last week, I don't think that they, they felt that way 100% before the game uh, Sunday night. I don't think they felt 100% like they could play with the big dogs. So I think it was a very big game for them. I think, you know, at this point for all three of those teams, you know, what, what happens in the regular season, you know, seeding, things like that, you know, is really, you know, insignificant at this point. Like, everybody would like the number one seed, would like the rest to buy. But ultimately what these teams are going to go, these three teams are going to be measured against is what is their success, what does their track record look like in the playoffs. So even if Dallas, let's just say, wins out and they were the number one seed and, and end up, you know, one and done in the playoffs, this is a monumental, colossal failure for them. So I think that this game for them specifically was massive. <clears throat> I think it's big for the Eagles too, but for a different reason. I don't. I think there's been a lot of teams that have failed to exploit the Eagles, um, and a lot of it's because not every team is capable of doing that. But what we found out the last couple weeks is the Eagles, specifically right up the middle, their safeties and their linebackers um, are probably subpar. Their corners and their and their line D line is great, but you can absolutely you can absolutely score and score in bunches on the Eagles. And I got to tell you, the Eagles offense definitely looks out of sorts. It does not look like the Eagles offense from last year. The offensive line looked really good against San Francisco. They they held him at bay pretty well, gave Jalen plenty of time. But the you know the bottom line is. They settled for field goals, and they kind of did the same thing versus Dallas. You know, we were, we were, you know, crushing Dallas for being a team that, you know, 20 to 20 would move the ball like the wind, and then when they would get into the red zone, it was almost automatic that they were going to kick a field goal. If you look the last couple of weeks against real contenders, that's what Dallas has become. Or, excuse me, that's what the Eagles have become. And more specifically, when you get down inside the 20-yard line, and you boys know this, when you get down inside the 20-yard line, really what you need to be able to do is you need to be able to run the ball. And if you look at what the Eagles have done on the ground the last two weeks, I'm pretty sure that Swift has had less than 50 yards the last two weeks combined. So they have not been able to run the ball well, which has put them a little bit behind the sticks, which has kind of put everything on Jalen. And they're, they're going to have to figure some things out because they definitely have some deficiencies that I don't think they're going to necessarily just be able to quickly put a Band-Aid on. So they're going to have to schematically make some decisions. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely feel you, man. Harvey, talk to me, man. This Dallas Cowboys uh, versus Philadelphia game got, got ugly quickly, man. Talk to me about it. I agree with uh, breaking news. I, I mean, I think that this was bigger for Dallas because they needed to beat a contender. We've been talking about beating that drum all year. Show me, like, I'll be impressed if you beat somebody that you're not necessarily supposed to beat. Well, they finally have one of those wins, right? Um, as far as the silly offense goes, uh, you know, A.J. Brown's physical. Uh, can you jam him, contain him? I, I think that this is kind of a – I think this is kind of a blip. I think that 
Uh, and maybe this week against Seattle, but I think Philly's going to get that offense rolling again, and they're still going to be, you know, in the thick of it at the end of the year. I, this Philly team is still probably at worst uh, the number two seed in the playoffs. Uh, you know, now if with, with that extra loss by the uh, by the Eagles, if the Niners are on the table, they get the you know tiebreaker for the number one seed, right? So, uh, but I, I think that this team is. This Eagles team is still good, and I think that this gives all those legions and legions of of Cowboy fans around the country hope uh, that they can enter that that discussion of the elite in the NFC. And if it falls the way it probably will, then you get a playoff team against a. a Either you play the weakest team in the division, uh, you know, the weakest division winner uh, in in week one, and then you end up maybe, you know, having to go through San Francisco or Philadelphia to advance. Um, so uh, can they do it again? I'm not sure, but uh, I'm at least a little bit more interested to see them try now than I would have been based on their performance against San Francisco earlier in the year and that performance that they had against uh, the Eagles in their first matchup. So uh, I think it's a little bit more compelling now. Uh, You know, I think that they've upped the ratings by being able to pull this off. But this is a win that this Dallas franchise, I mean, and uh, fans, players, coaches alike, even though they won't admit it, this is a win that they needed to show themselves that, yes, we can compete. And now we're not just saying it. It's not just wolf tickets when we're selling it to people. Uh, we can actually compete against the best in the NFC. So, I mean, we'll see. They did not match up well at all against the Niners. Um, they have matched up better against the Eagles last time they played them, obviously. Um, so, but, I, you know, I think Dallas now becomes in that conversation uh, with Detroit sliding uh, these last couple of weeks and not looking as good. Uh, Dallas slides into this conversation about they arguably could be the third best team in the NFC. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, you know, as much as it pains me to say it, I, I definitely uh, agree with you. Uh, one last game I want to talk about before we, we got out of here, gentlemen. Um, it's been the talk of social media. It's been the talk of talk shows. It's been the talk of everything. Uh, unfortunately, we had a lot of football play this weekend, and all we're talking about is the, uh, the offside penalty uh, that was correctly called, I might add. But this Kansas City-Buffalo game um, kind of lived up to the, the, the hype. I mean, when these two teams match up, it's always down to the last wire who has the ball last type, type of thing. Um, and this one's no exception, man. I, I Honestly, for, for me, gentlemen, I, I, I bet lead off here. Um, I'm going to talk about fixing something that's potentially broken. Uh, This Kansas City offense is is indeed broken. Um, For everybody who was trying to paint this picture like, you know, it wasn't the enemy, we may need to take a look at the mirror. This this Kansas City Chiefs team as as, as a whole, the season, is averaging close to 18 points a game. Now, uh, you you can say, you know, who is he throwing the ball to, um, which, again, I, I personally think is, is, is Kansas City being a victim of their own hype. 
They believe that they can just plug anybody in there. Um, and the, the train to keep rolling. They had the opportunity to sign some people. We signed some other people. They chose not to. But ultimately, um, I think this is more about Kansas City. Um, I don't know if it's Buffalo because Buffalo went in there and, and, and got the win. Um, but this Kansas City team looks horrible. Uh, offense, the defense is good. I'm still not a fan on the flip side of the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. Um, you know, a couple turnovers. You know, I, I just don't foresee them being able to, to, to run with the big dogs, if you will. But if you sit there and think that this Kansas City Chiefs team um, is the same Kansas City Chiefs team that we've seen from previous years, you're sadly mistaken. Um, but, again, as I said, as I, as I started, I believe that the, the offside call was correctly called. My only wish was that the league was consistent with it and that the that the referees called it the entire game. Um, I, I did some digging, looked at some clips. I posted it in, in, in our group thread. Um, there were four other times that Darius Tony lined up in that same position and it wasn't called. So to Patrick, Patrick Mahomes' frustration, um, you know, if you're not going to call it the entire game, I'm not sure why you call it at that particular moment. And the thing is, like, if if Travis Kelsey didn't, didn't, didn't you know, make the play and they score there, would this even be an issue? You know? So, again, there, there there's a lot that's up for interpretation. There's a lot that's up for debate and, and kind of, you know, conversational points. But, again, it was the correct call, and I have to, uh, you know, trust that because of where he lined up. But I wanted to throw this around the room as we get ready to shut it down here. Uh, Mr. Harvey, I'll come to you first, man. Buffalo goes in the arrowhead and gets another win, uh, something they haven't grown accustomed to doing over the last uh, few few times that they play. Give me your position on them. <clears throat> I think that this was a must-win game for the Buffalo Bills, just to make sure that they can try to be in playoff contention in a tough AFC. And this is still not guaranteed. It's crazy when you think about, like, what that race looks like and how many teams are sitting there at seven and six right now. Uh, it's going to be a very, very entertaining uh, playoff race in the AFC. But the Bills had to have this game. Um, it would have been nice for Kansas City to get it. Um, and But I, first and foremost, I think this is a must-have game for Buffalo. Uh, with all the scrutiny that they've been under lately, they had to have this game, and they got it. Um, now, I'm still not super impressed. And to your point about Kansas City, I, I think that sometimes uh, you can take the best player in the league or the best quarterback in the league mantra, and you can almost put too much credit into it. You know, there were times earlier this year that we were talking about whether or not Kansas City should be number one in the power rankings overall in all of football. And – I don't, I don't really hear that argument being made anymore. I I respect Andy Reid as a coach. I think he's done some great things there. I I do believe Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the game. You know, we're going back to Jared McKinnon now, finding the touchdown. This offense does not have playmakers uh, other than Travis Kelsey, to be honest with you. None of these other guys have developed into what you thought they were going to be. Uh, you know, Kendarius Tony maybe still has a chance to. I don't know, but 
it's you you have to have people on the outside to throw the ball to. Otherwise, what's the point in having uh, in having the you know you're not allowing the best quarterback in the league to really show his talent. It's like taking a sports car out and only letting it drive in a school zone. See what I'm saying? So, uh, to me, I look at this team, and defensively, they're better than they have been in a while. Um, they're not just trying to uh, keep the the you know keep the game close for the offense. Uh, this team is is better defensively, so you could argue that they are better constructed to win in the playoffs right now. Uh, but you still got to make plays on the outside. I I think. And I would expect this team to finally address uh, the wide receiver position moving forward into this next season. Uh, but uh, you're right. I mean, listen, it started. They they dropped the game to Denver, and Denver broke that string of, what, 14, 16 straight games or whatever crazy number it was that, you know, Kansas City had beaten them in a row. And so you're starting to see – the deal is, man, over a 17-game season when you play teams in your division twice uh, and it's a copycat league, kind of, you know, we were talking about what San Francisco did and you saw Dallas do some of those same things against Philadelphia. It's a copycat league and information gets to people faster than it ever has before. Um, and so we're starting to see, you know, some some holes in the boat. Uh, in Kansas City and, and, and with that team. So how Andy Reid and that staff go about trying to plug those holes is going to be really interesting to see over the next few weeks because they got some work to do if they want to be, you know, the representative for the AFC again in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I personally uh, agree with you guys there. Breaking news, man. I, I, I'll leave it with you, sir. Um Buffalo, Kansas City, man, was a, was one for the books. Uh, this past week, man, talk to me about it. Yeah, you know, I mean, the last play was so beautiful that you would like for it to have counted. Uh, and I can understand from a competitor standpoint the frustration, but you've already hit on it. Um, not Not only was he offside, he was offside multiple times throughout the game, sometimes it benefited them, whether it be first downs or long catches. Um, you know, sometimes, obviously, it didn't matter until that last game. But, but there is one thing that we do know for certain is that Kadarius Tony has cost them at least two, I think, three games. The Detroit game, he just flat-ass dropped a, a touchdown in the end zone that they should have won week one. And this game, he, he cost them. I can't think of any other player that was not a superstar type player on a playoff caliber team that specifically your individual action cost your team multiple games and, and you still have a job. So, um, you know, it may be time to start looking at the practice squads. It may be time to start looking at, you know, guys are at home, but um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sold on Tony. I mean, I'm sorry, but, if you can't, I mean, that's like literally like grade school stuff. You gotta, you gotta be able to line up. And you know, everybody's saying, "Oh, well, the refs give you, you know, warnings." Well, the refs not going to give you a warning if you don't look at the ref. And if you watch the clip, like you've already alluded to, 
Not one time does he ever look back towards the sideline. That's a him problem. That's not a ref problem. So, you know, Kansas City's chief fans, you can get as mad as you want. That's 100% on you and your players for not doing what they needed to do. So that is why you're in the position that you're in. But, boys, it's been a blast. I really appreciate hanging out. And I don't think five, six, seven weeks ago I would have said this, but maybe an under-the-radar candidate for NFL Coach of the Year. People are talking about Shanahan, Mike McCarthy. How about Sean Payton? This team was a train wreck, one in five. And look who, look who they beat now in back-to-back weeks. They beat behemoths. Uh, so, you know, they beat two playoff teams. Um, so, I, I, you know what? As much as I didn't want to, and I didn't love the idea of giving up a first-round pick, he's made Russell Wilson look like he could actually throw the ball again. The offense looks like it can actually play football again. And Denver's actually a pretty damn good team right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, sometimes you got to, you know, give credit where credit is due. And, you know, Sean Payton was a guy who we were we were crucifying, laughing, keeping and carrying on here in the kitchen about how this dude may need to go back into retirement, uh, especially with, you know, the Denver Broncos team losing. I mean, hell, they lost 70 to whatever the heck it was. Um, and the Miami Dolphins, you know, could probably still hung some points on their heads if, if they wanted to. Um, but, they, you know, the Denver Broncos, uh, uh, along with the Cincinnati Bengals and, you know, so some other squads that have played, you know, played themselves into playoff relevancy here. Um, so, you know, much can be said of that. Thank you so much, Breaking News. Uh, Mr. Harvey, man, um, you know, Sean Payton was throwing out there the potential head, uh, head coach of the year candidate. Uh, what's your head coach of the year candidate? And the plug in the color to shut it down, man. Yeah, man. I mean, you got to give credit to Sean Payton. I, I, I hate to, uh, you know, but, you know, credit where it's due. But I'm going to tell you right now, if somehow – um, the Cincinnati Bengals find their way into the playoffs without Joe Burrow. Uh, I think you also got to give a lot of uh, credit and a lot of props to, you know, Mike Zimmer uh, there as well. I, you know, I, you're you're right. It was a it was a train wreck with Denver early in the season. Where they get seventy hung on them by. Uh, by Miami, and they were able right. to come back and, uh, you know, have a respectable season. It looked like, well, for all intents and purposes, this isn't going to work, and and now it is. So props to uh, props to Sean Payton and what he's been able to do in Denver, man. It's always a pleasure to chop it up with you. Thanks for having me. Don't forget to check out PHI Apparel, SportsCityChef.com for the blogs and everything we got going on, man. And uh, – once again, man, it's always a pleasure and a privilege. And Thank you so much, Mr. Harvey. It's a pleasure kicking it with you, man. Looking forward to being on these airways with you again soon, sir. Um, for me, man, uh, I, I, I think D'Amico Ryan uh, is, is going to get my vote for Coach of the Year. I, I, I just love what he was able to do and accomplish um, in, in such a short year. Got the Houston Texans 
kind of in the thick of things. So if I had to give my vote for kind of a a quote-unquote dark horse, um, it would definitely be D'Amico Ryan. With that being said, uh, we are out of time here in the kitchen, man. I'd like to thank uh, Mr. Harvey for stopping by, breaking news, he's for stopping by, all those that are listening um, uh, via live stream, um, on their on their wireless speakers and whatnot, man. Thank you so much for kicking it with us. With that being said, as we always say here, telephone to telephone to steps again. If they don't know, man, now we know, man. We gone. Sports city, sports city, chef, chef. Sports city, sports city, chef, chef. Sports city, sports city, chef, chef. Sports city, sports city, chef. Kaboom! Sports city, chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics.